Welcome to another night of Warrior Reads. As always, make sure that you've handled anything before bed, that the room is dark, and that you're in a comfortable position. Remember, as you're listening, if you get excited by a story or interested, don't worry about it. Now is not the time for your mind to be racing. Now is the time for your mind to be resting. As always, we'll have copies of the recordings available on our website, as well as even the ability to order it should you want to in the morning. Now is the time for your reward for a good day lived or a reminder to be a warrior tomorrow. I'll give you about five seconds to clear your head and then we'll begin. Welcome warriors. Tonight, our selection is from the book, Where the Mountains Meet the Moon by Grace Lin. Tonight, we'll dive into ancient rural China to hear the story of how a young hero, Min Li, saves a dragon, outsmarts some demon monkeys that are impeding her quest, and how a little kid took it upon herself to embark on an adventure and find the answer to her family's financial problems. There's a ton of imagery in this section of the story. Min Li is a young peasant girl growing up in a small village in China. Though she appreciates her father's adventure stories, she begins to wonder why life is so hard and what she can do about it. After experiencing an encounter with magic herself, she hears a story from a goldfish that tells her of an old sage who can give her the answer to anything she wants. And what she wants is to help her family escape from poverty. So off she goes, ditching her family to solve it on her own and traverse the land in a quest for wisdom and how to apply it. There's so much in this story, a kid that's willing to do whatever it takes to make her family's life better. This holds a mirror up to us and asks us, okay, so how far are you really willing to go to get what you want? Min Li shows us courage by approaching a dragon and rescuing it. She shows mastery by befriending it and outsmarting some demon monkeys that are stopping her on her journey. And she shows will to power and that she won't let anything get in the way of her mission. Also, we see a dragon that transforms from a painting into a real creature and sees the moment to self-actualize. As always, you can read this book at any time in the future, and it's worth the read. But as you let go of the day and prepare for a good night's rest, let's hop into a mythical world of Chinese folklore. And as we go through the story, allow the imagery and the conduct of the story's characters to inspire you to be even better tomorrow. So relax and enjoy. Min Li gaped at the dragon in front of her. He was brilliant red, the color of a lucky lantern, with emerald green whiskers, horns, and a dull stone-colored ball like the moon on his head. At least what Minli could see of him 
look like that because he was also half covered by ropes of twine that had been tied tightly around him so he couldn't move and by the silvery lake of water and his tears that had formed all around him. Minley had always thought it would be thrilling but scary to meet a dragon. Her father's stories always made them sound so wise and powerful and grand. But here was a dragon before her, tied up and crying. Minley didn't feel awed by it at all. In fact, she felt rather sorry for it. Can you help me? The dragon sniffled. I'm trapped. Minley shook herself and started swimming towards the dragon. What happened to you? She asked. The monkeys tied me up while I was sleeping, the dragon said. I have been here for days. Minley swam over to the dragon and climbed onto his back to get out of the water. There, she opened her pack, took out the small sharp knife she had brought with her, and started cutting the twine. Why did the monkeys tie you up? Minley asked. Because I want to go farther into the forest, to the peach grove, the dragon said, and the monkeys will not let anyone through. I've been trying to make them let me pass peacefully for days, but they are so unreasonable. Finally, I told them if they did not let me through, I would just force my way. They know I am big and strong enough to go through without permission. So when I went to sleep, they tied me up. Why don't the monkeys let anyone pass? Minley asked. Because they are greedy things, the dragon said. They have just discovered the peach trees that make up the next part of the forest. The monkeys do not want to let anyone through because they do not want to share the peaches. Even when I promised not to touch any of the fruit, they would not let me through. They do not even want to share the sight of those peaches. So why do you have to go through the forest? Minley asked. Can't you just fly over? More tears, the size of lychee nuts, rolled down the dragon's face. I cannot fly, he sobbed. I don't know why. All other dragons can fly, but I cannot. I wish I knew why. Don't cry, Minley said, patting the dragon, feeling more sorry for it than ever. I'm going to Neverending Mountain to see the old man of the moon and ask how to change my family's fortune. You can come too and ask him how to fly. You know where Neverending Mountain is? The dragon asked. I thought to see the old man of the moon was impossible. You must be very wise to know how to find him. Not really, Minley said. I got the directions from a goldfish. It took a long time for Minley to cut all the twine that bound the dragon. For some knots, she had to swim underwater and cut through the waving grasses. As she popped in and out of the water, cutting, she told the dragon all about her village, the goldfish, and how she had just started her journey. I'm Minley, she said to the dragon. What's your name? Name? 
the dragon asked slowly. I don't think I have a name. Everyone has a name, Emily said. When you were born, didn't someone give you a name? When I was born, the dragon asked, thinking hard. Yes, Minley said, again thinking that the dragon was very different from any dragon she had ever heard about. What did they call you when you were born? So now the dragon tells his story. Master, one voice said, this is magnificent. The dragon is almost alive. Add more water to the inkstone, another voice said. This voice was near my head. I felt the warm air of his breath and speaking quietly. You will wake the dragon. I'm sorry, master, the first voice said in a more subdued tone. It is only that this painting is most amazing, even for such a skilled artist as you. This dragon painting will bring great honor to the village when we present it to the magistrate. Wasted on the magistrate, the master said under his breath, so softly that I could hear a conceited, self-important man who, when only the imperial family is allowed to use the image of a dragon, commissions one. Now that his son has married the king's daughter, Magistrate Tiger will do anything to flaunt his power and overstretch his authority. But this painting will buy his favor and free the village from his unfair taxes. What, master? The apprentice said. Nothing, the master said. Only that I have painted this dragon on the ground, not flying in the sky like all other dragons. Perhaps the magistrate will see how his wealth weighs him down. I doubt the magistrate will understand that meaning, master, the apprentice said. True, the master said. But the dragon should still please him. I will prepare for his visit. The painting is finished. Clean the brushes and take great care with my special inkstone. It is one of a kind, the only inkstone that was able to be made from a rock by Master. It is one of a kind, the only inkstone that was able to be made from a rock my Master cut from a mountain far from here. He never told anyone which mountain, so we can never make another. Yes, Master, the apprentice said. But the dragon, yes, the Master said. Is it finished? The apprentice asked. You have not painted the eyes. As a painting, it is finished, the master said. Young apprentice, I still have much to teach you. And I heard the voices and footsteps fade away. It was a strange feeling. I felt the warmth of light of the sun running over my skin, but my arms and legs were frozen. I could hear the wind rustling leaves in the trees and birds hopping on the ground, but I saw nothing. Time passed. I only knew because the air grew colder. I heard footsteps coming towards me, many of them, so I knew it was a whole procession of people. As you requested your magnificence, a voice said. 
I recognized it as my master's. May I present this, which I humbly painted in tribute to the great magistrate's rule. There was a silence as all gazed, as supposed, at me. Painter Chen, another voice said, in great awe. This is indeed a great work. Thank you, magistrate, the master said. I am glad it pleases you. Then our agreement will be fulfilled? Yes, said the voice. The village will be free from taxation for the year, and I will take the painting. Even though I did not know exactly what was going on, I knew I did not want to belong to the Magistrate Tiger. His voice had an undertone of cruelty and greed. Even while he was expressing his pleasure, I tried to protest, but my still lips uttered no sound. When I was rolled up and all sound and feeling disappeared, I do not know how long I was rolled up. It might have been a day, a month, or a year. All I could do was wait. But finally, I was unrolled, and I felt a cold gust of air all over me. If I could have, I would have shivered. This painting is a masterpiece, a voice said in surprise. Then it quickly turned oily and flattering, as only fitting for your greatness. Yes, Magistrate Tiger said. Have it hung behind my chair. Yes, Magistrate, the voice said, and then hesitated and said, How strange. What strange? Magistrate asked. Well, the voice said, there are no eyes on this dragon. The painter must have forgotten. No eyes? The magistrate boomed. Painter Chen dares give me an unfinished painting? I will double his tax on his village for the next ten years. Magistrate, a third voice said. Well, it seemed a little kinder. It is only a minor flaw. If we just dotted in the eyes, the dragon would be finished. Hmm, yes, the magistrate said, obviously considering. Bring me a paintbrush and ink. I heard the servants shuffling, and bringing the paintbrush and ink, I felt the magistrate's hot, dry breath on my nose as he came close to me and felt the cold ink touch my eye. And suddenly, I could see. I saw the magistrate's fat face leering over me as he reached over and dotted my other eye. As sight came into both eyes, a warm feeling filled me, like drinking hot tea on a cold day. I felt strength come into my arms and hands and legs and feet and my neck and head stretched for the first time. All the loud yells I had wanted to make now came rushing out of my mouth, and I gave a huge roar that made the magistrate fall over. 
It's come alive! I heard him gasp. And I heard the servant screaming. Dragon! Dragon! It's come alive! Dragon! I knew this was my chance to free myself from Magistrate Tiger. I jumped from where I was and rushed over everyone, knocking down desks and chairs and columns. I saw the blue sky and the green leaves through the window, went toward it, and simply crashed through the wall to get through. As I left, the building was falling down and the people were yelling, Dragon! They screamed, Dragon! I knew I had to leave as soon as possible, so I ran as fast as I could into the forest and left them far away. I've lived in the forest ever since then. So I think, the dragon said, my name is Dragon, because that's what everyone called me. Dragon, Minley repeated, and she tried not to smile. Well. I guess that's a good enough name. It will be easy for me to remember. The dragon nodded, pleased to have found himself a name. So you were born from a painting, Minley said. That explains why you were so different from dragons my father told me about. Your father knew other dragons? The dragon asked eagerly. I've never seen another dragon. I always thought if I could fly, I would finally see another like me. Um, well, Minley said, I don't think my father ever knew any dragons. He just told stories about them. Most people think dragons are just in stories. You're the only dragon I've ever met. Oh, the dragon said sadly. And I'm not even a real dragon. All this time, Minley had been cutting the twine ropes at that very moment, Minley cut the last rope and rubbed the dragon's arm. You're the only dragon I've ever met in real life, she said. And you feel real to me. So I think you're a real dragon. Or at least, real enough. Anyway, if we're going to the never-ending mountain together, let's at least be real friends. Yes, dragon agreed, and they both smiled. Minley and the dragon sat in the clearing and made camp for the night. As the sun fell and the moon rose, the dragon showed her how he could make sparks from scratching his claws against stone, and they built a small campfire. As Minli and the dragon made no moves to go farther into the forest, the monkeys had quieted down, but they still watched. There are plenty of peaches for all, the dragon said. Those monkeys do not have to be so greedy. Really? Minley asked. Yes, Dragon said. The monkeys are so foolish. They just want more and more, even when they do not need it. I have seen them refuse to let go of rotten mushrooms and fight over piles of mud. At those words, Minley sat up and her eyes flashed with a quick thinking. Piles of mud... Suddenly, Minley remembered the two children fighting over their piles of mud as she had left her village. Instead of going inside for dinner, the children had clung onto the pretend dishes of dirt. They were so foolish. 
Could the monkeys be that foolish? They were too selfish for trading or bribes. But maybe they were so greedy that they could be foolish enough to be tricked. Maybe if she... I'm going to make rice, Minley said abruptly. Oh, the dragon said. You must be hungry. Too bad we cannot get some of those peaches. It's not for me, Minley said. Then she smiled mysteriously. It's for the monkeys. The monkeys? The dragon said. Why? If you mean it as a gift or as a way to bribe them, it will not work. They will take it and eat it, but they will still not let you through. That's what I'm expecting, Minley said, as she filled her pot with water and uncooked rice. She was bursting to tell Dragon her idea, but wasn't sure how much the monkeys understood of their words. She looked at him with sparkling eyes, but he only stared back blankly. You are, the dragon said, I, I don't understand. Don't worry, Minley said, and with her eagerness, she felt like the water that she was boiling. I think I know how we can get past the monkeys. The dragon watched as Minley stirred the big pot of rice. Through the rising steam, he could see the beady eyes of all the monkeys glittering through the branches like hundreds of diamonds as they watched as well. The monkeys are watching, he whispered to Minley. Good, she whispered back. I hope they are. When the rice was done, the pot was overflowing with snowy white rice. It was so heavy that to take it off the fire to cool, she had to ask the dragon to remove it for her. Minley had the dragon place it very close to the trees where the monkeys were watching them. Then, Minley tied her fishnet over the rice and pot. As Minley and the dragon turned away, they could hear the monkeys chattering. That fishnet will not stop the monkeys from taking the rice, the dragon said. It is tightly woven, but their hands will probably still fit through. I know. Minley said as she put out the campfire. Let's pretend that we think the rice is safe and that we're letting it cool. Though puzzled, the dragon nodded. They placed themselves as far distance from the rice, yet still within sight, put out the fire and pretended to go to sleep. But Minley could not help peeking. Though she tried to lie still, she was filled with excitement. Would her plan work? Would the monkeys take the rice? In the bright light of the moon, the monkeys glanced slyly at them and stole over the rice. The dragon was right. Just as he'd said, the fishnet could not keep the monkeys from the rice. Their slender hands slid through the holes of the fishnet and each grabbed two big fistfuls of rice. But the monkeys tried to carry the rice away the net caught them. The holes in the net were large enough for their empty hands to fit through, but not large enough for their full fists. The monkeys screamed and pulled, and Min Lee and the dragon no longer pretended to be asleep. They couldn't help laughing as they watched the monkeys struggling to punch the air and each other with their trapped fists. Min Lee quickly packed her things and the monkeys screeched and screeched as they passed. The heavy pot of rice shook 
as the monkeys fought violently to get free. But the fishnet was strong and well woven. Since the monkeys were too greedy to let go of the rice, Min Li and the dragon entered the peach grove and continued through the forest.